I'm Casey Candela, and this is Fordham Conversations. On this week's show, we chat with Westchester County Executive George Latimer. He's a Fordham grad and has been in local and state politics for over three decades. He started out on the Rye City Council and served in both chambers of the State House before defeating incumbent Rob Astorino for the county exec seat last year. Mr. Latimer, thanks so much for joining us. Casey, a pleasure. So you've got 30 years and more elections than I can count on two hands under your belt, and you've never lost an election. What's your secret? Well, uh, first of all, I don't think we we worry about whatever we've done in past elections. In whatever time you're competing, you try to be appropriate for that moment, that electorate, to give the size and the scope of the district and, and make sense to people. I think folks are you know naturally suspicious of those of us in, who run for public office, those who serve. We're quotation marks, politicians. And I think if, if you show that you're a, a normal person, that you have sort of the normal range of interests, that, that while you are concerned about public policy, you can also talk about the Red Sox and the Dodgers in the World Series. I have grandchildren, so that, you know, you cavell about your grandchildren. Um, we have a couple of dogs, so we talk about dogs. You know, it all becomes part of who you are as a person. And that helps humanize you. And then I think as you talk public policy, people have a better sense of who you are and a greater resonance. So up until last year, you were serving in the state Senate where you witnessed the rise and fall of the IDC, the Independent Democratic Conference. So uh, what was that like for you and what are your reflections now that most of the former members of that have lost their primaries? Well, unfortunately, I think it was a missed opportunity. Uh, The members of the IDC uh, were Democrats and uh, there were people that I had decent relationship with. Um, And I think organizing the chamber with the Republicans was a mistake on their part. And, you know, we shared that. But having said that, knowing that they weren't going to change their affiliation at that point in time, we tried to work together as best as we could. The missed opportunity is that there are certain things that we could have advanced, uh, you know, voting reforms as an example. Early voting, I think, uh, should be a nonpartisan issue. Uh, Many states that have Republican majorities have early voting. Uh, We have two primary days when we should have one. These are, you know the kinds of things that shouldn't even be big public policy issues. And because our Republican colleagues wanted the status quo, they benefited as they saw it politically from the status quo, the IDC support of those issues was frustrating. Uh, Ultimately, um, many of those things, climate change, uh, how we handle certain kinds of social policies now will be resolved differently because the, the two conferences have become one. But there's always room for individual disagreement on an issue, on any policy issue. You and I both have the right to our own opinion, and you break, but you break as an individual, not as a cluster of people for political purposes. So you left the state Senate um, when you won the Westchester County executive seat in 2017, beating two-term incumbent Rob Astorino. And he's also a Fordham grad. So I'm curious, you know, you're only two years apart. Did you know each other back in college? Well, uh, actually, uh, he he's a lot younger than I am. So we were not here contemporarily. Uh, I graduated in 1974. Uh, I think he's about 10 or 13 years, 13 years younger than I am. But, uh, you know, and if Rob and I were the only two with the Fordham connection, that might be interesting. But his predecessor, Andy Spano, did his undergraduate here before I did, because he's a bit older than I am. And then the two prior county executives both graduated from Fordham Law School. So there's been a five consecutive county executive connection to Fordham in one capacity or another. Um, I think what it says is that Fordham is such an outstanding uh, institution that those of us, all of the, all of us grew up either in Westchester or the Bronx, that we saw this as a terrific place for education. My daughter has a master's degree in social work from Fordham, uh, and so there, there's a real identification with the campus, with the uh, uh, the education system here, the student life. 
uh, and that really is the link. Um, I did serve with Rob uh, for one year in the county legislature, my last year there before I moved to the state legislature, his first year on the board. You know, we were you know, relatively on good terms, but when you run in public office against each other, it tends to you know, fray any bands of friendship as you start to compete for something. Uh, when we started the race, he was the clear favorite. Uh, he had, uh, you know, raised a lot more money than I had, and in fact had a lot more money throughout the course of the campaign. His name recognition was much higher than mine, although I had a base because I was serving the state Senate, and there were uh, folks who had known me for a long time in parts of the county. But uh, you have to go out and, and make a case for your point of view. And then, of course, there are things happening in the society much greater than George Latimer and Rob Astorino. The, the Donald Trump presidency and the reaction to that, uh, there was a state uh, referendum on a constitutional convention which motivated a lot of people to come out and, and, and vote to uh, avoid having a convention. And I think that brought people to the polls. Um, and then uh, issues that came up that might not have been about the bread and butter running of the county but became very important symbolically to people, whether or not we should have a gun show at Westchester County Center. I said no, and he said yes, and I think uh, I'm more in the mainstream of the Westchester County mindset uh, than than he was on that particular issue. So when all was said and done, uh, I won the race, but uh, you know, I don't uh, you know, I don't read my press clippings. The whatever past success I've had electorally, it has to be followed by substantive work, it has to be followed by accomplishments. Uh, people look for that. They they don't get impressed by your uh, batting average and campaigns. So in 2017, you weren't the first Democrat to win um, against a Republican in kind of the New York City suburbs. We saw that also on Long Island. So do you think that that election year was foreshadowing this blue wave that we're seeing uh, a bit now with the midterms? Well, I certainly think it was a reaction to what happened in 2016. The election of Donald Trump was uh, a surprise. Uh, certainly in this area, he did not do particularly well, although there are people who swear by him and, uh, you know, very uh, committed to him in this area as everywhere else. Uh, and I think 2017 in this area, the the, the Long Island, the Nassau County race, my race, any of the special elections that were held in 17 and in 18, the uh, anti-Trump reaction was very profound. People who had not been involved in government or the political process before uh, came to see the rise of Trump and those that supported him as being, you know, a, a statement that was, you know, frankly, the opposite of what they believe in, and not even so much. A disagreement on public policy, but the style, the the roughness and the rudeness, and and I don't think I'm talking out of school. I think we all see this, right down to the point where somebody is so motivated to send bombs to the most prominent Democrats because of their intense agitation and connection to the rhetoric that that's being sent out on that side of the aisle. So I think people felt very motivated to come out and campaign. I, I think I offered a viable alternative to Rob, but I don't believe that it was me, George Latimer, the great uh, savior. I think I was a, a vessel for the expectations of folks. And I've tried to take that attitude into my term of office, that this isn't about me. It is about what we believe in and about the team of people that we put together to try to accomplish these things. If we accomplish positive things, and we've made a start, but we're not there yet. If we do those things, then that would be the payback for that activism in 17. And then to your question, do I think it'll hold in 18? I do. I think it'll be uneven depending on where you are in the state. And where you are in the nation, uh, you know, the, the, the wave isn't so uh, high and deep in North Dakota. Uh, but I think certainly in, in this area it will be. And, and I think that uh, I think we're going to see a change in the New York State Senate because of this. And I think you're going to see some New York uh, based uh, House of Representatives seats flip from uh, red to blue because of that wave this year. So let's shift gears for a moment and kind of talk about the culture of the um, county that you lead. Um, 
some of the areas, you know, outside of New York have their own distinct kind of character or uh, reputation. And what do you think the misnomers are about Westchester County? What would you say to someone who's maybe never been there about what you want them to know about the people who live there? Well, a couple of things I think that are interesting. First of all, there's always a great debate about where does upstate New York begin? And I remember being in graduate school at NYU in the city and uh, having a classmate. And when I told him I was from Westchester, he said, oh, you live upstate. Because I guess from a Brooklyn or, you know, perspective, uh, you know, Westchester is upstate. Then, of course, if you go to upstate, you know, whether it's Albany, Buffalo, whatever, and you talk about being from Westchester, they believe you're just an extension of New York City. So in some ways, in that great upstate, downstate thing, Westchester is sort of neither and both at the same time. Uh, and that's a factor. You know, we, we are structured governmentally the way the rest of upstate is with towns and villages and cities. If you live in New York City, you have a singular government and it's big. When you go to, you know, small towns like Pelham and Larchmont and Dobbs Ferry and uh, Briarcliff, it functions differently. The mayor is a part-time person who has a store on the main street or a par- or is a lawyer. And so it's a different vibe that way. And I think uh, the perception uh, for many people who leave Manhattan, they want to live in a suburban environment. Westchester is at a different size and scope. However, we're linked to New York City by transportation, by job employment. Uh, during my career, I've, I've officed out of New York City for any number of my jobs, got on that commuter train every day in and out of the city. And, uh, and, in, the, and in that kind of world, uh, I watch the same and listen to the same media that a person who lives in the city does. So I don't feel that disconnected. And that connectiveness sometimes is what people don't necessarily see. You're up in Westchester. You're not you know, part of the world. I mean, no, no. I hear the same news. I watch the same programming that you do in this area. I also think that because Westchester, you know, is a place where there's great wealth and uh, you can focus on, you know, some of the great homesteads, some of the very wealthy people, famous people that live in our county. We are the county where the Clintons live, where where Andrew Cuomo lives, where uh, Richard Gere lives and all sorts of athletes and famous people that you would think we were monolithically wealthy, that we are exactly what you read in a John Cheever novel or the horses are in the meadows as we sip uh, you know, white wine looking out the window. There is poverty in Westchester County. We have urban parts of the county, and I grew up in one of them in the southern part of Mount Vernon, that border the Bronx, uh, or other parts that are elsewhere, in parts of Sleepy Hollow, parts of Portchester, certainly southwest Jonkers, the south side of Mount Vernon, uh, parts of Peekskill. You have the same urban problems that you have in the Bronx, elsewhere in New York City, and uh, they need the same effort and energy to address them. So if you look at average or median or mean figures and statistics, the wealth of Westchester tends to blot out the fact that there are urban problems and urban needs in Westchester. And we are more unique in that than, say, the Long Island counties, where there is some urban presence in Hempstead and a few other places. But the proportion of people of color, the proportion of people uh, on social assistance and so forth is much greater in Westchester, even though there's this tremendous wealth. So we have a more diverse county than people realize. And the management of it now that I've been tasked with for these 10 months requires me to show the ability to understand the suburban wealthy realities where we want to source separate more of our garbage stream and the other parts of the county where domestic violence and malnutrition and a host of other social ills are just as present. You've got to manage both of those two sets of priorities. 
Right. Um, well, I'm from Long Island. And um, when I was a kid, you know, to me, New Rochelle was upstate. You know, I'd never really I didn't have a conception of um, Westchester being close to the city. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, you took office in January. So what initiatives have you um, taken to kind of balance uh, the income disparity in Westchester? And maybe you can touch on what other big accomplishments um, you think you've been able to make in the past 10 months? Well, in 10 months, it's hard to really talk about big accomplishments. I think that uh, we we took over after eight years with my predecessor having a very distinct political philosophy. And I don't think it misrepresented to say that he believes that government should shrink in size, provide less services, uh, legally provide what is required, but then you know did not see a role for government to be involved in a host of different things. And because of that, the size and scope of Westchester County shrunk, and there were a host of unmet issues uh, to be resolved when I walked in the door. Now, until I leave the office and you find out what I leave behind, it might be a little arrogant to talk about you know having to clean up what you find when you walk in the door. But I think it's fair to say I walked in and, and, and we, the team that we put together, had to deal with uh, a couple of unions, particularly our largest union, being without a contract for seven years. That's a huge obligation of, of potential back pay that would be owned, uh, owed by the county to those individuals. We were able to negotiate through that. It was, it was a difficult negotiating process. The contract that we approved, uh, or we agreed upon, was ratified by the union, but it was not a, a slam-dunk vote. Uh, but we got through that, and we've resolved that issue. We've had some small issues, the preservation of an historic uh, homestead that's attached to the history of George Washington, uh, advancing some affordable housing uh, places, one particular facility at seven years, lay fallow, weeds, grass growing, and we've been able to get an agreement to turn that into 74 units of housing, um, uh, things that involved uh, social issues such as uh, banning the gun show at the Westchester County Center, um, creating a... Um, uh, a, a ban on uh, requiring salary history when you go to interview. This really affects women to a great extent where, um, you know, but once you know a candidate for hires past uh, uh, compensation history, you can underpay them slightly above what they made before, but lock them into a lower grade of compensation. And so uh, we were able to resolve that. Uh, we've we've done a host of things that uh, represent, uh, you know, uh, what I think is more mainstream Westchester thinking on a variety of social issues. We banned conversion therapy, uh, which is very important to the LGBTQ community. Um, uh, you know, I, there's like a whole long list of these things. But major accomplishments really require us to straighten out our finances. And that is now the task as we talk today that's before us for the next th two months of the year, which is to complete a budget. We're on a, a calendar year, fiscal year. And uh, to get a budget that uh, is moderate in property taxes, because that, as a Long Islander, as a Westchester, right, property tax is always highest on the list of people's concerns. Uh, but, to, but to still at the same time invest in the infrastructure of the county, the physical infrastructure and the human infrastructure of the county. So if we can get through this budget process, if we can clean up some of these outstanding issues, then I think we have a, a clear palette for what we go forward in year two, three, and four. Uh, we need some additional revenue from New York State. We're going to go up there, you know, tin cup, a rattling, go back to see my old friends in the Assembly and the Senate, try to make a case for why the Westchester of the John Cheever novels needs additional resources, and I think we have a case to be made for that. And if we can stabilize our finances, then we can start to tackle some of the bigger issues that we face. Some of them are societal, like the opioid crisis and, and, and how do we as part of a group of entities face that. Some of them are very prosaic. How do we keep trucks 
off of the Hutchison River Parkway from slamming into bridges that have nine-foot clearance and the truck is a 13-foot truck. You would think that's a solvable problem, but we continue to face that. And uh, that range of problems are the things that we have to tackle. Stuck with expensive auto repairs? You could donate your vehicle instead and help support FUV's programming. Call 888-400-5520 or visit WFUV.org slash vehicle. There's no charge to pick up your car, truck, or RV anytime, anywhere. You get the satisfaction of donating to your favorite station and maybe even a tax deduction. Call today, 888-400-5520 or donate online at WFUV.org slash vehicle. There's a lot at stake this November. 36 governorships. 35 Senate seats. And all 435 House seats are up for election. If only 50% of voters show up, it would be the highest midterm turnout in a century. Learn more and get involved at IamAVoter.com. And don't forget to vote Tuesday, November 6th. Brought to you by I Am A Voter and the Ad Council. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Casey Candela, talking with Westchester County Executive George Latimer about his political career and more. So you touched on this a bit, the things that you're looking forward to, but if you had to um, maybe give me a list of the top things that you're prioritizing uh, besides the fiscal bu- budget maybe next year, um, what would those things be? We have to make a, We have to make a legitimate start on affordable housing. Uh, we have a housing uh, need in Westchester County. Uh, at the market rate, top of the market, you're seeing a lot of developments uh, next to our train stations, transit-oriented development, people who find it uh, much less expensive to have an apartment in Portchester, get on the train, go into the city, compared to trying to find an apartment in Manhattan or find an apartment in the in the swankiest sections of Brooklyn. Um, and I think affordable housing, though, is a need for us. We have to work to develop that, and we've got to make a, a significant start next year, complete a housing needs study, and then start to implement that. That's, that's I think, high on our list. We have, um, I think, a legitimate concern about the environment. We have a beautiful river and a beautiful Long Island Sound. We have reservoir uh, system in the northern central part of the county, and uh, and I think our environmental policies have to become more robust. I would argue that we're we're moving in a... Uh, environmental protection direction that was not the priority of the immediate past uh, term. And as we're seeing in Washington, D.C., the the national government under the current president is not committed to environmental protection. Uh, So I think we're going to have to step in with the state where uh, those protections don't exist on wetlands, wetlands restoration, uh, recycling of food waste to the extent that we can do that to try to reduce the, the garbage stream that goes into it. And I think all those cluster of issues become uh, an important priority. Economic development is always important. We have a robust economy in Westchester County, but it isn't equally shared by everybody in the county. And in our urban centers, New Rochelle is making a strong effort in economic development and revitalization. Yonkers has had a success. White Plains is the success story of the Hudson Valley. Peekskill is important. Mount Vernon is important. Communities where there's a, a majority of people of color uh, and whose uh, unemployment rates are higher and we've got to be able to figure out how to take the things that we can do and target into those areas. And I don't think, you know, truthfully, any of these things are just a second-year priority. There'll be second, third, and fourth years, and, you know, depending on however many years we'll carry in the future, it'll be a constant uh, priority. But if we stabilize our finances, if we get um, 
a predictable stream of revenue that we can budget on. We know we won't have big spikes in property taxes. Then we'll we'll be able to address that concern that seems to be the overarching concern, and then we can start to work on all these other little things that are not little, but they don't register as high because folks who live out in the suburbs and work in the city every day don't think a lot about them. They They don't necessarily use our bus system. They don't go to our jail. They don't need our probation department, although we need to have these structures and systems. Uh, but we'll be able to work on those kinds of issues over the few years to follow. So you mentioned earlier um, about all the commuters who live in Westchester County, and the MTA has been the issue um, in the state races that we've been watching. Both Cynthia Nixon and Mark Molinaro have hit Governor Cuomo on his handling of the MTA. Um, And when people think of that, they just think of the subway system, um, especially voters in New York who maybe don't use the Metro North all that often. Um, So what are your concerns for your constituents who really rely on the MTA, not only to get into the city, but once they're commuting um, around the city for work? Well, I think, you know, the MTA system certainly needs some major investment and improvement, and they have a financial problem. We instituted a payroll tax uh, a decade ago that was highly controversial, and that hasn't closed all the gaps in funding. You know, and and I think, frankly, this speaks to the failure of the federal government to be invested in in uh, 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 intra-city transit anywhere in the nation. If you look at mass transit in London, Paris, Montreal, any of the major cities of the world, the federal government of those uh, countries understands the need to be investing in those things, and this particular federal government has abandoned that kind of transit. But having said that, um, from a Metro-North standpoint, Metro-North Railroad now has more riders than the Long Island Railroad does, which is amazing when you consider how much more trackage is out on the island. Uh, the the New Haven line is the busiest single-line commuter rail anywhere in the nation. Any Chicago, Boston, any other commuter rail line, we're, we have the number one uh, ridership. And that's a sign of people wanting to uh, take a train into the city rather than drive, which is good for the environment, less carbon footprint if you take the train and the drive. We have some very specific needs that we have. We have a need for a major improvement in a number of our rail stations, White Plains and Mount Vernon West come to mind as being the two worst uh, stations. White Plains is the third busiest station in the Metro North system after Stanford and Grand Central, and uh, it has as much reverse commute out of the city as goes into the city, or close, close enough, and uh, it needs a, a full redo and makeover, and it's it's scheduled, and that has to happen. Um, uh, the Mount Vernon West Station really is deplorable and uh, needs a complete rehaul as well. I don't know where we are in process for that. So that's that's an issue for us. We need the upgrade in tracks and signals. Now, that, that that's what was missing in New York City subway systems. And it is a wonderful thing that they extended uh, the line up the 2nd Avenue. I'm sure it relieves pressure in the Upper East Side by having the 2nd Avenue subway. That is a sexy capital improvement. People see it and they feel it's an additional service. The The tracks and switches stuff may not seem so great, but that plus positive train control would have saved lives on the spite and dival accident that happened a couple of Decembers ago where four people lost their lives when the the conductor fell asleep and the train went off the track. So some of those improvements are absolutely necessary. Uh, The the MTA's plan to move uh, from the New Haven line uh, trains over the Hell's Gate Bridge and into Penn Station is a very essential thing for us. We think that's very important. It opens up the west side of Manhattan to some of our 
Westchester commuters. And that's essentially, if you think about it, when a person, say, moves to New York City and they, they want to live out in the suburbs and their offices are on the east side, well, living in Westchester or Fairfield makes sense. You commute out of Grand Central Station, you're near your office. But if you work on the west side of town and you get on the number one train, and I had for, at one point in time uh, offices that were down in, uh, in essence, Tribeca on Greenwich Street, uh, going into Penn Station is the much better route. Well, the Long Island and New, and New Jersey folks go into Penn Station, but the but the Westchester Fairfield people do not. Now, Long Island is getting east side access, major capital project. They're going to have east, east side access. We need west side access. MTA has a plan. It also benefits the Bronx because it opens up stations in Co-op, City, Baychester, um, uh, Morris Park, and Hunts Point, I think. And, uh, and there's some reverse commute benefit for us as well, because if people live in Co-op City, work in New Rochelle or can access jobs through Port Chester. So that MTA improvement is important. It's hard when, you, when in Westchester you represent about a million people, give or take, and, and you're p- stacked up against the needs of New York City, which is eight and a half million people, the political juices in New York City, and the, and the need is there. And by the way, when you fix the subway system in New York, you're benefiting the suburbanites, because when we go into the city, we immediately use the, the subway system to get around in the city, go across the shuttle, go uptown, downtown, wherever it is we, we're bound. So uh, for our purposes, the MTA has to address the subway issues and the urban issues of New York City, but there are priorities that we have out in the suburbs, too. And, uh, you know, we, we pay a fair bit of our taxes to go to MTA, and we want to make sure we get some share of that back in capital improvements in our area. So you mentioned earlier about some of uh, your environmental um, priorities. Do you think that there's a desire in Westchester for things like a bag ban or maybe uh, curbside composting? Well, you've had examples of both of those two issues and others that have already occurred. And uh, we have, for example, a ban on on single-use plastic bags in a number of communities. In my home area of the county, the city of Rye, where I live, where I served in the council, Larchmont Village, Mermanic Village have passed those bans. I believe Newcastle has done it. A couple of other communities have as well. The, um, uh, the issue of doing it countywide uh, is very much on the table, but I think the critical mass of municipals doing it will be necessary to get it done uh, countywide. And, and, and I'm going to tie in an element of this with the next one, which is the, uh, the food recycling. We have um, a single, single depot drop-offs in a number of communities. Uh, and they've all been started in the last couple of years. Scarsdale is the first community to go to curbside food waste recycling, and that's really what we have to get to if we really want a significant compliance with it. And the county is, in, is doing a study right now. We haven't actually begun the study, but we've we've approved the, the authorization for the study to look at how best to handle uh, what we could collect. So do we create a location uh, in Westchester to treat these things with an aerobic or an anaerobic um, uh, area to, to have the compost, or do we just serve as a regional transportation from our transfer stations to take it up to uh, Ulster County, where the current area is located for uh, treatment of these things? So we have to look at those issues. We do have, however, in both of those cases and in other cases with the environment, when you have urban communities that have a host of grinding poverty issues, domestic violence, malnutrition, basic public health care, it's harder to get compliance on things like source separation. It falls further down the list of needs in the Mount Vernons and the Yonkers of the world. And where you have multiple family dwellings as a dominant um, residential unit, it's much harder to get compliance. So as we seek to do these kinds of programs countywide, we will get, I think, over the long haul, compliance 
in the Hastings and the Mamaronics of the world, it's going to be hard for us to handle the urban settings, and at least half of the county resides in those urban centers. So we're going to have to be very creative about how we get compliance if we want these things to work economically. But that's the path that we have to head in, and that's why I do think we head in that path, and it'll take an X number of years for us to get to where we should get to at the end. So you're a supporter of WFUV. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell me maybe a band that you heard for the first time on the station or your favorite band. Well, you know, it, it's tough for me to talk about the, the bands from a contemporary standpoint because, you know, unfortunately, given my age, I'm going to turn 65 in just a few weeks. Uh, I'm still kind of stuck on the music that I grew up on, 60s, 70s, 80s, early 90s. Um, but when I, when I listen to WFUV, I do get exposed to music that I would not normally hear. I love the ethnic music that I can hear on the station, uh, that I'll hear. I am of Irish and Italian descent, and there, there are programs in both of those two ethnicities that I can enjoy. And I can tune in on a particular afternoon and, and enjoy some of that music. Um, I was a big fan of the big broadcast. Now, I wasn't born in the 20s and 30s. You know, This is, as the Beatles once sang, the song before your mother was born. Uh, but I loved Rich Connedy, a blessed memory, and I loved listening to that. And then it would morph at midnight into then David Die in the World Cafe, and that would be sort of, you know, I would call it avant-garde music that I wasn't accustomed to listening to, and the transition of very traditional music from the 20s and 30s to very contemporary music that might be in Europe and elsewhere was a wonderful... You just have to stay up past midnight on a Sunday night into Monday to enjoy that transition. But uh, what, I, what I love about FUV and its current iteration is that it is very, very eclectic. And, uh, you know, I was here a long time ago as a kid um, doing news uh, in the early 70s. It was fun. I learned a lot. I met some people who to this day are friends of mine, some in the media business, some not in the media business. But uh, here in these studios and watching what FUV has become is just extremely impressive. And uh, um, I have, you know, 90.7 is one of my... FM stations, and you know, and I'm jumping around, I hit it. And then, of course, because I am a sports nut, when, whenever Fordham basketball or Fordham football is on the radio, I always check in to see how we're doing and see if any of my friends that I have little, you know, $20 side bets on, I'm going to win them or lose them that week. All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and catch up on shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Casey Candela. Songs that reflect the emotion of the people that live in the night. Song of happiness, sadness, heartbreak. Songs to the nightlife. We hope that you enjoy yourself tonight as you listen to our latest it's a little different from what we normally do, but we hope it'll be pleasing to you. We hope that you can just kind of sit back, kick off the shoes, 